the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is why you find so much preaching today about homosexuality, saying that it's fine, it's all right, it, it's something that uh, is, is very normal. If that's how you feel, why? Because we live in, in, in a society which embraces that. That's how it believes. And so teachers are just going to tell people what they want to hear. That's why we hear so much about abortion. That's why you hear so much about the feminist movement. That's why you hear so many things from pulpits today that have absolutely nothing to do with the Word of God, and they are contrary to the Word of God. Why? Because we live in a society that wants to hear that kind of stuff, and there's always some teacher who will come along and tickle someone's ears. I read that John Wesley used to ask his young trainees when they returned from a preaching assignment if anyone was saved. Then he'd ask if anyone was mad. If they answered no to both questions, he would tell them that he didn't think God had called them to preach. Now, perhaps that's a little extreme, but there's a lot of truth there. Welcome to Verse by Verse. I'm glad you're here. Pastor Steve Kreloff is taking us one verse at a time through 2 Timothy chapter 4. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. A pastor friend recently told me about something that I found shocking, but I guess it's a common situation these days. One of the elders in a previous church told him one Sunday morning that he thought there was too much teaching from the Bible. The elder wanted to hear more from other sources like psychology magazines and other popular literature. Well, my pastor friend put his arm around this man's shoulder and walked him and his wife to their car in the parking lot and suggested that he find another church. Sadly, there's a lot of that going around. Now here's Pastor Steve to bring us today's lesson. They want things that that make them feel good about themselves. They want liberal theology. They want politics. They want social issues. They want health-related issues. Everything but the gospel and everything but the word of God. The time has really come in America. I mean, the issues that people are debating are, are even nonsense in our country. There's coming a day in which it'll even get worse when fewer people will have an appetite for the Word of God. You walk into the typical church in America, and you won't hear the Word of God. I quoted from Marv Rosenthal earlier. He told me about a year or two ago, he told me that, uh, I think he said, 95% of the churches in America don't preach the Bible. Now, this comes from a man who travels all over the country. And I don't know if he was referring to expository preaching or just believing the Bible and teaching from it. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what he meant, but regardless of what he meant, that is a, a high figure. And this is from a man who travels almost every weekend and many times during the week in different churches. You see, we have to understand there's a remnant. With Israel, there was only a remnant Only a remnant, a small minority that seems relatively unimportant, that people overlook, and the church is just a remnant. The believing people in the church, the professing church, just a remnant. We're called fanatics. We're called narrow-minded people. We're we're told that we're on the fringe 
of real Christianity. However, we know differently. We understand that we are part of the remnant, and, and uh, there's only a few who really love the Word of God and love the God of the Word and want to obey His Word and are committed to it. And I think in days ahead, we're going to see a great deal of pressure put upon us to conform and not proclaim the Word of God, to get into more psychology and positive thinking and uh, all kinds of things like that. If you confront someone about their sin, if you get up in, the, in a church in America and proclaim about sin and rebuke it, uh, they'll just say you're, you're outdated, you're irrelevant, you're, you're a fanatic. We don't, we don't believe that stuff anymore. You watch more and more and more. I heard the story about, uh, recently about a young uh, high school girl who was giving a speech at her graduation and she mentioned something like this. And I just want to thank the Lord for this wonderful uh, year he's given me. And the leaders of that school said, you must cross that out. You can't give that. If you don't cross it out, you don't give that speech. And she decided not to give it. Now that's, that's ridiculous. That's absurd, but that's where our country is headed. So in light of this, we have to understand that we don't know how much time we have. And we've got to proclaim the word of God now. You can't wait and you can't say, well, I, I think uh, in a few years I'll be ready. No, maybe in a few years you'll be ready to proclaim more of it, but start now. Don't wait, because the time is running out. So there will be a growing intolerance for the truth of God until that kind of resistance characterizes the time period. That's what he's saying. But why? Why? Why is this going to happen? I, when I study the Bible, I ask those questions. Why? Why is this going to take place? Why does God say this? Well, let's look at the rest of verse 3. For the time will come when they, that is the professing church, will not endure sound doctrine. Why? Because he explains, but wanting to have their ears tickled. Let's stop there for a moment. They want to have their ears tickled. They want to have their ears scratched. That's the thought there. It itches. They want it scratched. I, uh, I thought I would do a, a, a very deep word study this week. So I pulled out all of, all of my Greek uh, helps and uh, lexicons, and uh, I really wanted to dig and find out the meaning of having their ears tickled. And you know what I discovered? It means to have their ears tickled. That's what I discovered. Everything I could get my hands on said the same thing. It means to have their ears tickled. That's it. It doesn't get any deeper. And, and what he means here, that's really, that's just a, uh, an expression in the Greek language that meant a craving for something new. I, I have an itching for something. I have an itch for something. I, I want something to satisfy me, something novel. They have ears that need to be scratched and, or, or tickled to satisfy them. That's, that's really the thought. I've got an itch. Would someone scratch it? And people do scratch it. They have an itch that needs to be scratched in order to bring some relief. And what is it that will relieve this itch? The rest of verse 3 tells us. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. They have itching ears. They want to hear something that will relieve those itching ears. And false teachers will accommodate. They'll tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. They'll give them messages, Paul says, that will fit their sinful desires. Notice verse 3 again. They will accumulate, it means they'll pile on top of one another. They'll pile on top of one another, teachers, in accordance to their own desires. You see, there is a thinking in the world that says something, must, something uh, uh, new must be right. Something novel. 
uh, I'm not satisfied. There's a restlessness. I think a good illustration of that is found in Acts chapter 17. Remember when Paul went to, went to uh, Athens? And he was on Mars Hill. And uh, they had all the philosophers would gather around. You know what those guys did? Chapter 17, verse 18 says this, And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Paul was talking with them. Paul was seizing the opportunity. Paul was proclaiming things to them. And it says, and they were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? What does this chicken babbler have to say? Well, what's his new thing? What's his game? What's his line? And others said he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And verse 19 says, And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming. Do you think they were interested in really knowing about it? No. Here's somebody new. Let's, give, let's put him on the soapbox and let him give his thing. Verse 20 says, For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Why? Itching ears. We want to know, therefore, what these things mean. And then Luke adds, sort of a footnote, Now all the Athenians and strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. That's an example of what Paul is talking about, this, uh, this itching of the ears. And, and most likely he is referring to the Greek philosophers who would just stand around and do nothing but hearing novel views, speculative information, speculative things. And Paul says that the day is coming when they will accumulate, they'll pile up teachers who will tickle them. They'll tell them what they want to hear. Not what they need to hear, but what they want to hear. Something that'll feel good. Something that'll bring relief. You see, many people determine who they'll listen to, not based on a man's faithfulness to the Word of God. But you know what determines it? Does he tell me what I want to hear? If he didn't tell me what I want to hear, I'll go somewhere else. I'll find someone who will tell me what I want to hear. And that's exactly what, what we're seeing today. They determine what they want to hear, and then they select teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. Messages that make me feel good about myself. The unsaved don't want to hear, and the professing church they doesn't want to hear about sin. They don't want to go away from a, uh, a church service feeling rebuked. They want to go away feeling good. They've got enough troubles during the week. They don't want to have more troubles on Sunday. This is why you find so much preaching today about homosexuality, saying that it's fine, it's all right, it's, it's something that uh, is, is very normal, if that's how you feel. Why? Because we live in, in, in a society which embraces that. That's how it believes. And so teachers are just going to tell people what they want to hear. That's why we hear so much about abortion. That's why you hear so much about the feminist movement. That's why you hear so many things from pulpits today that have absolutely nothing to do with the Word of God, and they are contrary to the Word of God. Why? Because we live in a society that wants to hear that kind of stuff, and there's always some teacher who will come along and tickle someone's ears. As someone has said, the gospel doesn't tickle your ears, it boxes them. The gospel pushes them and pins them against the, the wall. The gospel doesn't tickle anybody's ears. People aren't going to stand for that. That's Paul's point. Timothy, they're not going to stand for it. So now while they're listening to you, make sure that you seize the opportunity. There is an urgency. Time is limited. That's his point. You see, that's why you have to go back to verse 2 and say, well, that makes sense why we have to preach like this, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. 
That's why you have to deal with people's sin, because there's coming a time where they won't let anyone confront them about their sinful desires. And you must understand, you must deal with people from the standpoint of their sin. Because no one ever comes to Christ without knowing that they are in a desperate, sinful situation. That's why we have to get back into preaching the law, not to be saved, but to hold up as a mirror to people to, to, to see that they reflect sin, that they have violated God's holiness. You've got to deal with sin. We don't preach the law to save people. We preach the law to show them that they're lost. You show them God's law. You show them that they have violated the standards of God's law, and they're in a desperate situation. They need to repent and trust Christ for salvation. So they're guilty, and people aren't going to tolerate that. And, you know, we have to fight against that tendency, too. Uh, I remember years ago when I started out in the ministry, people just sort of telling me that they wanted messages that helped them and dealt with the, uh, the issues they wanted to hear. And what they are subtly saying is, listen, I don't want to feel lousy when I go to church. I want to feel good. Well, the only way you really feel good is to be confronted with your sin and to repent and to get things right with God. You, it's no solution to just go out of here the same way you came in. We've got to be different. And that takes repentance and commitment and, and a deepening awareness of the Spirit of God and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, church is not to make us feel good necessarily. It's to help us. And you've got to get cut sometimes to be helped. And you've got to get convicted to be helped. So I understand that. I understand where, where people want to come from. But that's why you've got to go back and say, look, you've got to preach the word. You can't turn into a popular kind of speaker who people like because if everybody likes you, maybe there's a problem with your message. Because most people don't like the message of of God's word. I told you last week about my pastor friend who resigned. Then he resigned primarily because they didn't want to hear the word of God. They didn't want to be convicted of their sin. In fact, one of the men came to him and said, listen, we want you to give evangelistic messages for other people, not us. Serious situation. We don't come to church to feel good. We come to be dealt with. Confronted with sin, repentance is needed. See, this isn't new, this attitude that says, I want to feel good about myself. I, I want a message that, uh, that makes me feel happy. That gives me some hope. That, that deals with me where I'm at. No matter what it says, I don't even care if it's true. I just want you to give me some kind of sweet song. In the Old Testament, why do you think the prophets, who we revere now, but the Jewish people didn't always revere them, why do you think many of these prophets were killed? I mean, Jeremiah was called the weeping uh, prophet, not because he had a tear duct problem, but because the man was saddened over, over his people's sin, and they weren't listening to him. Jeremiah was saying, listen, judgment is coming. Babylon's going to sweep down the people. To, yeah, 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 just be quiet. We don't want to hear from you. You're a traitor. Jeremiah said, listen, if you, uh, if you fight Babylon, you're going to lose. Just give in. Just go with them. Don't resist them. He said, you don't know what you're talking about. You're telling us to surrender? You're telling us to give up? And Jeremiah was saying, listen, if you fight, they're going to come in. They're going to destroy Jerusalem. And they threw him in a pit. They almost killed him. They didn't want anything to do with him. Jeremiah was a mistreated prophet. We admire him now, but he is not called the weeping prophet for nothing. In Jeremiah chapter 5, you don't need to turn there. I'll just mention it, but it'd be good to write it down. Jeremiah 5, verse 30, some, and verse 31, some very poignant verses. He says this, an appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. 
and the priests rule on their own initiative, and my people love it so. God is saying, I've got a real man who's a real man of God here, but there are false prophets, and they're saying, listen, nothing is going to happen. Babylon's not going to bother you. And the people are eating it up. The people love it so. That's a horrible situation, but that's the situation in our world today. False prophets telling people, you really don't need salvation. You really don't need to believe the Bible is God's word. You really don't believe, need to believe in anything that, like, like hell or anything like that. God is too loving to do that. And the Bible says, my people love it so. And then there are subtle things with true Christians who are going into all kinds of things on psychology and all kinds of things on positive thinking and all kinds of things on, on ego self-love type thing. And the Bible would say today, and my people love it so. In New Testament times, there are people who didn't want to hear the truth either. Do you remember Stephen who preached in Acts chapter 7 was the first Christian martyr? You know why he was the first Christian martyr? Because he told people what they didn't want to hear. He didn't tickle their ears. He told the Jewish religious leaders about Jesus. And Acts chapter 7 verse 57 says this, but they cried out with a loud voice and they covered their ears. Now, isn't that interesting? They covered their ears and they rushed upon him with one impulse. Not only did they want to hear, they just covered their ears. We won't hear it. Horrible situation. My people love error, God says. And the end result, what is the end result? They want teachers like this. They're not going to listen to the gospel. Well, verse 4 tells us the end results. And will turn aside their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. In other words, they'll refuse to listen to you, Timothy. Instead, they'll turn and they'll listen to teachers who will scratch them where they itch. And you know what it is? Speculative myths. And I've told you before, we, we tend to like speculations. I know people who are into speculations, and they, their big thing is on UFOs and things like that, and is there life on other planets and all. And they get off on that kind of stuff, and they, they, they debate theological issues that they can never arrive at a conclusion about, and, and uh, speculative myths, fables. 1 Timothy 1.14 speaks about the people leaning in that direction, at the beginning of Paul's letters to Timothy, now Paul says it's going to end up where they will not only lean in that direction, they're going to fall in that direction, and that's where they're going to stay. They're going to love speculative myths. They'll turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Now, in light of this coming situation, what should we do? Should we be silent? Say, listen, why bother speaking? This is the way it's going to turn out. God is sovereign. What difference does it make? Should I retreat? Let me just focus on the remnants. Let me not get involved with the church. And you know, many people have done this. There are many parachurch organizations that have started because men and, and women got fed up with the local church. Dealing with people like this. You know that? Parachurch organizations are, are non-local church organizations. And we're not saying that they're, they're, uh, they're all wrong. But we are saying that some have started them because men just couldn't put up with the church anymore. They didn't want to be uh, patient, and they didn't want to be instructive, and they didn't want to have pastoral care. And when you have pastoral care, you take care of the lambs as well as the sheep, and uh, you take care of some goats as well. So they start their own organization. They figure that they're going to have the cream of the crop, and, and uh, they don't have anything to do with the local church. They're not involved in a local church. They're just going to speak to those who want to hear. That's not reality. That is not reality. What should we do? Well, Paul tells Timothy in verse 5 what he should do, and by way of application, what we should do 
in a church setting where people don't even want to hear. They won't want to hear. What should we do? Verse 5, it's four quick commands in light of ministering God's word to a people who won't want it. But you be sober in all things. Timothy, but you, in contrast to the fickle multitude who, yes, will stop listening to you someday, you be sober. Uh, Initially, this word meant don't be drunk. Don't be intoxicated. But obviously, it doesn't mean that Timothy's not to go around drunk. That's rather obvious. He means be clear-minded. Be stable. Be sober-minded. Have some stability. In other words, be a steady proclaimer. That's the context. Be a steady proclaimer. Don't waver. Don't be intoxicated and lose your sense of what is really going on. Don't get caught up with giving people sensational messages. That's what the myth teachers were doing. Giving people what they wanted to hear. Did you know that in this genealogy that there's this story about, oh, no, I didn't know that. Yes, it's there. That's what he's saying. Don't get into sensational messages. Don't, uh, don't lose your balance. Don't lose your perspective. Don't join the fickle crowd. And, and don't just grab any new uh, theology. And don't, they'll gravitate to you. You be stable. You don't be intoxicated with that kind of thinking. You're to remain sane and steady and stable in preaching the word of God. Do you understand what he means? What he means is there is a great tendency when you know that this is what people want. That people want certain messages to give that to them. All of us struggle with that. Nobody likes to tell people things that they don't want to hear. I struggle with that. I've had to deal with, uh, with people on, on issues. It seems like my whole life is confronting people with things that they don't want to hear. And uh, I, I don't like doing that. Nobody does. And there's always a struggle inside of saying, why don't I just tell them they want to hear? Why don't I just tell them what makes them feel good? I, I don't like all this confrontation. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is, look, you could be a very popular preacher if you lose your sense of perspective and you, and you tell people what they want to hear. And you and I have to really face that. Especially someone in my position where it's a public ministry, uh, I know I can be very popular. Tickle people's ears. Tell them what they want to hear. Very popular. I, I know how we could double attendance in a matter of just a few months. It's really quite simple to do. But you've got to be sober. And when you're sober, you preach the word. You don't preach things that people will gravitate to. You see, a, a large church and a large attendance doesn't mean that it's a spiritual place. It doesn't mean that it's not a spiritual place either, but it doesn't mean that it's a mark of spirituality. So we need to be sure that we're not overwhelmed and and we don't lose our sense of perspective and appeal to people with popular messages that they want to hear. A person can become very wealthy in a public ministry and very well known if he just tells people the things that they want to hear. So that's what he means when he says, but you be sober. Don't go for that kind of stuff. Don't lose your, don't become drunk with that kind of thinking. You'll lose your sense of balance. You'll, you, you completely lose the perspective. And people who do that, and there, are, there are preachers who have copped out for that kind of stuff. The glamour of television, the glamour of radio, the glamour of seeing their names and books, magazine articles, and, and they're on talk shows, and they've really become drunk and have missed out on what God has called them to do. 
Teaching and preaching is serious business, and we need to be careful to stay true to the message God has given us. Thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Find out more about Lakeside at lakesidechapel.com or call the church office at 727-441-1714. If you'd like to catch up on any past broadcasts in this series from 2 Timothy, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org, and go to the archive page. All of our audio files are there for you to stream or download at no charge. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. Have you ever told someone something that would help them, but they not only refused to listen, they got angry? I once offered some helpful advice to a colleague. I was very careful the way I expressed it. She was struggling with something that I had also struggled with and had found a simple solution. When I told her how I'd had troubles with that same issue and what I'd found to make it easier, she accused me of attacking her personally and actually cried about it. I just stood there in slack-jawed amazement. I still don't understand her reaction these many years later. But it happens. And it happens a lot when we share the gospel, because the gospel begins with pointing out the fact that the person we care about needs help, and they probably don't think that they need help. But we live in urgent times. People need the gospel. And God has called us to faithfully share it. Let's be about his business, and let him do the convincing and converting. Pastor Steve will explore those ideas more fully on the next Verse by Verse as we continue learning from Paul's second letter to Timothy. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.